This podcast series is brought to you by the Committee for Adelaide and Grant Law PR. We talk with passionate boomerangs and arrows in this series and hear why they have chosen South Australia as their home to live and work. Boomerangs are people who are originally from South Australia, moved abroad and have returned. Arrows are people who have chosen to make South Australia their new home. All right, today we are here with Fiona Caulfield from Love India. How are you, Fiona? Good. Excited to be here. It's nice to be in conversation with you. And how are you today, Grant? You well? I'm very, very well. Thank you. In awe of the achievements of our of our guest in the podcast today. <laughs> yes, we're very, very um, fortunate to have you here, Fiona. Would you mind starting by telling us a little bit about yourself and your um, career history? Sure, I'd be delighted to. Um, I was uh, born here in Adelaide and I went to uh, school here and then also spent a chunk of time in Sydney as a child and we came back to Adelaide. And I went to Adelaide Uni um, and then started work. So I first uh, got a job here with BHP um, selling steel. So I was the first professional woman uh, yeah. in BHP. That feels like a lifetime ago with lots of stories. Uh, and then I went to Melbourne with them to head office and then back to Adelaide with Wolf Blass. So I was in marketing with Wolf, um, which was a great experience. I- iconic wine maker yeah. here in Adelaide. So I had done a business degree and majored in marketing. And I guess part of the rite of passage for many Australians was the idea of going to work and live overseas. And uh, like many, I chose London. And uh, as a 23-year-old, I went off to live in London. Beautiful. And uh, bumped into a career in advertising that then lasted about another 20 years. So I ended up uh, setting up an agency in London I fell in love uh, with an Aussie guy mm-hmm. and we moved back to Australia. And that's always my theory when people talk about moving countries. I always think there's a love story in there some, <laughs> somewhere. Um, but then I moved back to Australia and I went to Sydney and I was running an advertising agency in Sydney. And then I w- was approached to go to New York. Wow. So from Sydney, I then went to New York and took a job with Ogilvy and Mather, a big Global agency. Yeah, I used to work for them as well. Ah. Not in New York, but uh, yeah, <laughs> South Africa. Small world. Hmm. So I'm, I'd am i done a decade with another American agency, DDB, and I'd spent quite a bit of time on international business and I'd made friends with people in New York. And so that opportunity came through somebody I'd worked with. So um, I stayed in New York for about five years, at which point I was sort of done with that corporate life. Not not entirely. I mean, I'd become the president of a consulting company that specialised in the future and innovation. Um, but I felt like uh, the idea of working seven days a week, 25 hours a day, mm. that probably felt like 10 days a week at times, um, to, to simply live in Manhattan sort of made me wonder you know, it was kind of like this cycle that you couldn't get off. Mm. And in parallel, I'd got interested in mountain climbing. So I'd climbed Kilimanjaro. And then uh, the next year, I did a long trip into Everest, uh, just to base camp to have a look oh. at the icefall. Because I was sort of obsessed about, you know, that was the, mm. the tricky part. And on that journey, and being cut off from the world and slowing down, I just imagined a different kind of life. Mm. 
And uh, so very dangerously on that journey on the way back from uh, Nepal back into Manhattan, back to New York, I wrote a business plan for Love India and well brand plan really there wasn't too much business context in it and then uh, and that took me until the flight to London and then London to New York um, I wrote my resignation letter. Oh wow and tell us about um, India and and how long you're in India for and you know the involvement of Love India. So I thought there was an opportunity and I thought that uh, Nepal was too small to do this. So I thought India was big and interesting and was part of the future. So that's where I chose to start, which was like crazy. You know, I'd spent like a week in India up until then. Um, So the challenge was, you know, a lot of people get scared of India um, and the barriers to travelling there are high. And I thought that was a challenge I was up to. How do you fall in love with India? Um, so that journey started by creating handcrafted, beautiful guidebooks um, that supported artisans who made the paper, each sheet by hand and made the fabric. And because the books were so different and I had never I had a publishing background, so I didn't know the rules, um, the books got a bit of a cult following and some of the best magazine editors, travel editors in the world, uh, loved them. So they asked me to start writing for those magazines. So I started writing for Condé Nast Traveller and Departures and Gourmet Traveller. So there was the travel writing that was going on. Um, So the books were were very sensual in how they were designed. So you felt India and you smelt India when you um, had the books. But the style of the content was very intimate. It was like, Peter, I was writing you a letter saying, you know, I can't be in Rajasthan when you're going to be there, but let me tell you all the things that Mm. I know you'd love. What happened is that was an invitation for people to contact me. Not that I expected it. You know, my my partner, Paul, talks about it being like um, calling Nigella and saying, you know, this is what I've got in my fridge. What should I cook tonight? (laughs) Or, you know, how should I really bake this? So I was getting those questions about India all the time. And um, it was, you know, I'm going to get engaged to my girlfriend. Where should I do it? Where should I get the ring? Or my husband's an investment banker training for a marathon. Where should he run? Mm. You know, they were really kind of random questions. Mm. So I then set up services. So really, you know, the, the books, if you like, were at the heart and they built the kind of the core of the brand. Mm. But then the activity became service orientated. So I've done a lot of uh, travel advice for India. And then uh, other people started approaching me to plan journeys. So some famous Australian chefs, um, Google Labs, you know, all kinds of interesting people um, have come to me and said, you know, we've only got two weeks or we've got 10 days or whatever it is. How do we have a meaningful experience in India? Um, And what should we do? And how do you feel is the perception of Adelaide now, having come and gone quite a few times and experienced so much of, you know, the world, how do you, how do you see Adelaide today and the future of Adelaide? Um, you would think that after three decades the, the answer is, uh, yes, Adelaide's changed. But actually I think the truth is Adelaide's exactly the same. Okay. Um, What has changed is I've changed. You know, um, there's a quote attributed to F. Scott Fitzgerald all the time about coming home and you realise that, you know, you come home and the place smells the the same, tastes the same in lots of ways, 
but you've changed. And I think that's true with me. So now coming home to Adelaide, I appreciate what Adelaide has on offer, which I didn't as a 20-year-old. So, you know, the the importance of nature and space and the quality of our produce and our fantastic food and wine, um, all of that really matters to me now, whereas a 20-year-old, I thought everybody had it. What do you think South Australia can do as a state to attract more talent such as yourself here, Fiona? So I have an insight about this. I think it's not just about attracting talent back at a point in time. It's about not losing that connection. Mm. So when I left Adelaide um, as a 23-year-old, my connection with Adelaide remained, but it was a personal connection. It was a social connection. Mm. So I was constantly back here. Well, constantly. I was here regularly because of family and friends and social occasions. Not once throughout that career, so that two decades of advertising at the most elite level in New York and London, Mm. did it ever cross my mind to do anything professional in South Australia. Um, Over the close to two decades of being in India, I have never once engaged with South Australia in a professional way. Mm. So I have in Sydney... So the um, organisation Advance connected me back to Australia. I got involved with Vivid and was a presenter at Big Ideas. Um, So I had a connection with some Sydney aspect of life. But South Australia lost me. And so I think what would be interesting is not just to think about um, a physical relocation, but how do you keep a connection with people from South Australia all the way through their lives. So when a uh, kid goes off to study at Oxford, how do you keep them connected with South Australia? Mm. How do you tap into that South Australian diaspora around the world? And is that events, you know, the um, uh, do you have Australian connections in other countries and South Australian connections that you invite people when they're back in South Australia to connect and talk because I think this idea that we only consider people who are living here I think it's just a narrow way of looking at it so like a a, a very good friend of mine in India in Bangalore she runs a a great design company and um, her husband's a historian and has written brilliant books on cricket they're a power couple Mm -hmm. Uh, she ran a very informal organisation, but it was called Creative Fridays. And anyone interesting who was coming through town, she would arrange to do a presentation. Mm-hmm. So whether that was architects or scientists or writers or whoever it was, and it was a way of just f- fueling your mind. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of South Australians doing amazing things around the world. And they pop back and they're seeing their ageing parents and they're visiting family and they're coming for a wedding and I think there's no way that they can engage currently no obvious way um, in the community and Mm. that would be great how do we fix that though yeah invite them but from a community I I hear you saying from the community perspective but also industry perspective what are they what are they doing internationally Mm. or interstate that they can come back to South Australia when they are here 
to to attend a particular event industry focus etc that's a really good point mm. or or just a forum you yeah. know for example you know after 20 years as a as a travel writer and a travel designer and an indian expert mm. i would have thought that possibly sa tourism might be interested in a conversation so that's not a conversation about a full-time job necessarily, but it's how do you bring, how do you start extending a brain's trust? Mm-hmm. How do you start creating conversations and stimulate and innovate mm-hmm. um, in, a, in an informal way? So I think this sort of idea of it having to be a traditional format mm. is maybe a little narrow. Yeah. Well, there's, you know, I think if you looked at all of the categories, so whether that's going to be, uh, space or you know honestly I think it could go to anything but you could have a look at kind of you know what are the objectives mm. of South Australia and where does it think that its growth is going to come from and jobs and target South Australians who are doing amazing work because it's lovely to be invited um, to have an afternoon away from the the family mm. um, when you're here and do something interesting and you know I feel really privileged to have got to lot 14 and got to Tonsley thanks to Adelaide Connected, um, and to see some of the exciting things that are going on. Mm. And I think that invitation is great because I'm here and I can tap into it. But how do you get people who are only passing through for a week to feel that they can get a little capsule of what's going on? Mm. Mm. So you're a a very well-respected foodie and and you do a lot of restaurant uh, guides. Is there any restaurants in uh, in Adelaide that have really impressed you on your return? Oh, that's such a great question. (laughs) You know, asking about a favourite restaurant in Adelaide is a bit like asking about a favourite child. (laughs) So it's a very tricky answer. Um, What I have loved is uh, I plan to do a Diwali event, uh, which is the Festival of Lights, and I worked with Emma McGaskill and also with Sharon of Fino Vino. So I love... I love what Emma's doing and I love the fact she's no longer uh, locked into a bricks and mortar place. Um, And I think Sharon's got this incredible energy and open-mindedness to say, sure, Fino Vino can be an Indian restaurant for a night. So that was really exciting. Um, I also have really enjoyed returning to the Jasmine. Mm. Um, which is an old favourite. When mm. I used to work at Wolf Blast across the square, we used to go. I love what Indy's doing. And I had a really great Indian meal at the service station at Kimber. Wow. So, and Kimber um, was just announced as the uh, winner of Best Regional Town in South Australia. Yeah. That's because of the big gala. There you go. <laughs> but um, one of the great highlights for me um, of being back in South Australia, I'm walking the Heisen Trail. Mm. So that uh, walking a landscape has been really, really important to me and it has made me uh, or has allowed me to not feel trapped or too still. And uh, so walking the landscape has got me connected to the earth, but it's also got me connected to small towns. Mm. And you see amazing things happening. Like there's an Indonesian restaurant in Burra. And, uh, you know, the, the food in Clare is extraordinary. So mm. what Indy's done, what Seed's doing. Um, so it's been brilliant to actually go and see what's going on in regional South Australia. But high on my hit list is the Botanic restaurant. Just haven't been able to get in yet. In the Botanic Gardens. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, in terms of skilled migration, uh, Indians are uh, comprising the majority of, of new skilled migrants to South Australia. Why do you think that would be? 
because they're super smart. Um, India's got this incredible, incredible uh, intelligence and entrepreneurship and a sense of adventure. So, um, and there's a huge population, 1.4 billion. And so that sense of going to other places uh, and succeeding is really established. So if you have a look at Silicon Valley, it's full of great Indian talent. Two hundred and fifty thousand Indians in Silicon Valley. There you go, you know, and and are, are not just in the valley doing uh, mm. backroom jobs. They're in the valley They're leading techies, it. Absolutely. And I so so to me, it's not surprising. I think that uh, Indians coming to Australia is just catching up with Indians going to Canada and Indians going to England and Indians going to America and other places. Mm. Um, so I think, uh, but the trajectory is high. And also once you've got some community and then they give that feedback that it's good, more come. So Fiona, tell us, um, what are you watching, reading or listening to at the moment that is really um, of topic or interest to you? Um, I am doing a lot of walking right now. So yes. I have totally um, devoured audiobooks during the pandemic. So I started with the Wolf Hall trilogy um, and so I was literally living in 16th century England for most of the day when I I was walking. And then I've just listened to 50 hours of Churchill's biography. Wow. So I've been doing some amazing things that I wouldn't have done in a hard copy book Mm -hmm. and I'm currently listening to um, uh, a book called Savage Rogues about the um, Australian SAS in Afghanistan. So I'm picking things that I... Norm, you know, which were quite sort of unusual. Mm. In terms of hard copy, um, a dear friend um, from the UK has just sent me a manuscript, uh, which is not exactly summer reading. It's a non-fiction book about knowledge and how do we navigate our way through uh, truth and fake news and how do the people who actually who can navigate knowledge their chances of survival have been much higher in the pandemic than those who have been subjected to fake news and thinking. Really interesting. Um, And he's a great sailor and yachtsman, so he was doing that competitively Mm. in round-the-world ocean races. Mm. So I think I'm going to be immersed in knowledge via sailing. Um, Absolutely. So I'm reading that manuscript and that's got a bit of a deadline to give him feedback. Mm. So um, that's sort of going on. And then in terms of watching, I've, you know... Obviously, I'm doing Succession. Um, who isn't? Um, but I also, you know, I have a, my little secret is I have a love affair with Nordic crime. So I quite often go to Sweden and Denmark. So I've done the Sandham murders recently and I've just listened, uh, watched Thin Blue Line. So, yeah, I think I'd quite like to be able to be a crime writer in another life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You've gone very global, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> So, Fiona, thank you so much for all of your insights today. It's been absolutely um, amazing hearing your story from your ventures from leaving South Australia all the way to being back here and still acting and thinking so globally, obviously with your um, positive social, economic and environmental impact. And Grant and I are sitting here with two beautiful Mm. books that you've just given us. Would you mind just telling us a quick wrap-up about these? So the books are part of a series I've done on different Indian destinations Mm. and they're completely handmade Um, and so artisans in Jaipur make the paper um, and then 
we've got uh, cloth makers who weave the covers and we've got a group of ladies who do the embroidered bookmarks and then hand embroider the labels. So they really, I think, are testament to the great artisan community of India. Um, India produces 80% of the handwoven cloth in the world. And these artisans, um, they make the books, but they're also featured in the books. Mm. So what I've tried to do with the content in the books is... Um, curate the destination so you can fall in love with it based on your interests, your um, financial objectives. So, for example, in Bombay, the book you've got, Love mm. Mumbai, I really believe it's best seen from the water. So when you arrive in that city, it's brilliant. You know, it's like being in Sydney and being on the harbour. Um, so whether you do that in a chartered yacht for $10,000 or whether you do that on a ferry for $1, I don't mind, you choose. Mm. And so the books are curated about all of the experiences in them are worth doing. Um, so the books also have become the launching pad for Love India Home, which is a new initiative I launched last month about um, products created by artisans um, from India, which I'm selling off a website mm. and then we uh, take a percentage of those sales back to the artisans to support their livelihoods because the, the pandemic has been devastating um, for artisans losing orders, mm. uh, losing all the places where they would normally sell and a lot of them don't have the skills to go online and run a digital uh platform mm. so I've been really uh, excited about taking those books and then out of those creating uh, a new brand mm. they're absolutely beautiful and we'll put all the links to your um, sites um, in the podcast for everyone to have a look at it could be a beautiful Christmas present absolutely there's a, a little uh, quote here from the Financial Times uh, on your guides and it says these cherishable guides are a gold mine of local know-how Caulfield's knowledge, local knowledge is compelling, especially our encyclopedic shopping savvy. I'll never shop in India again without her. So I, that's fantastic. And I really hope that uh, you get an opportunity somehow to apply your, your knowledge and insight um, to promoting South Australia. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Fiona. Thank you for the time. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast, brought to you by hosts Grant Law and Peter St. Clair. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow us on socials. Simply search for Adelaide Connected. We host podcasts monthly, so stay tuned to hear from more inspiring boomerangs and arrows who have chosen South Australia as a place to live and work.